Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in the heart of New York City. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about global perspectives and why it's important in healthcare for your business and for your patients. So joining me today, I'm very happy to welcome Sheila Ivliv. She is an occupational therapist specializing in mental health and wellness. She is the founder of OT Bay Area, WellWorks Consulting and Disrupt OT, a grassroots global organization disrupting the status quo of systemic oppression in healthcare. So Sheila, welcome to the podcast. It is nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you. And thank you so much for having me. I love how you have so many specialties and perspectives featured. So I'm excited to chat. And speaking of that, I don't think we've had this perspective yet. So I, don't I think, think so. it's, I don't <laughs> think so. So it's really great. And, you know, I first saw you and met you last year at the San Diego Pain Summit. Uh, you did a Disrupt OT on Friday night. Was it Friday or Saturday? Yeah, it was Friday night, I think. Friday night. Yeah, yeah, Friday night. Um, and it was, I, I loved hearing the perspectives of other healthcare professionals because at the San Diego Pain Summit, it's not just physical therapists, physical therapists, occupational physicians, uh, psychologists, trainers, massage therapists. So it's a nice, there was a dentist last year. A dentist. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So it's like this nice global community. And for me, I like stepping out of the bubble and learning from different people and kind of understanding how different people work and relate to their patients and their communities. So with that being said, tell us a little bit more about you and what led you into the realm of occupational therapy. Yeah. So I, I am Bengali American. For me, that part is important kind of in um, where have I have found myself right now. So I, before I decided to go back to school, I was working in uh, corporate quality assurance. Um, and so I don't know if you have any corporate background, but it's pretty soul sucking. No. <laughs> it's pretty soul sucking. <laughs> and I always thought I wanted to be a doctor, you know, uh, junior year of college. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is it. Like zero regrets um, because I do feel like I get to p- spend so much more time with patients and families yeah. by not being a physician. Um, but I just, I was not satisfied with work. I, I just didn't, it, something just didn't sit right, didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist because you all do not have a PR problem. Like nobody knows what occupational therapy is. Oh, I, I disagree. <laughs> Ask any physical therapist and they will tell you, nobody knows what physical therapists do. So we do have a bit of a PR problem. Okay, okay. But probably. I would and say, probably, like, I would say yeah. occupational therapist is definitely a tick more. Yeah. Yeah, way more ambiguous or like people have not even heard of us before. Right. Um, so I actually thought I wanted to be a PT. I'm like, okay, want to go back into healthcare, got to start all over. What do I want to do? And I pursued um, 
and it was like just using Google. Um, and I was like, oh, occupational therapy sounds kind of cool. Um, and so I, we've got to do our hours. So I did PT hours and OT hours and I had a pre-med degree, so I didn't have to take too many other classes. So it was kind of a easy fit. And I do love my physical therapy peers and partners. Um, but OT, um, which is kind of why we have a PR problem. It's, it is ambiguous because we cover like really everything, every aspect right. of a person's um, daily and meaningful life. And so that just felt like a good fit for me. I am just kind of an all over the place person. Everything is connected. Everything matters. Um, and so it just like, that was the right fit for me. So I think it's been like 13 years at this point that I've been mm -hmm. an OT. So this, this is, this is the chosen profession. And if you were to say to someone what an OT does in a sentence or two, oh my gosh, <laughs> what, not to put you on the spot, yeah, but because I'm sure you've had this question before. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to people? Yeah. So I say something different, like every time, um, but it really is. Um, my job is to help people engage or re-engage in their daily and meaningful activities. That's it. Right. So whatever the barrier is, I help you problem solve and we do that together. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I have people ask me sometimes, well, what's mm -hmm. the difference between PT and OT is just OTs do hands and PTs do like the legs. And I'm like, no, not quite. Um, and so I think that's a really good uh, definition. I will store it away in the vault here and remember that when someone asks, because usually I say, well, you know, occupational therapists work with their patients in whatever their occupation may be. Mm -hmm. So if it's a school, like a school kid, they're going to work to help make their occupation of being a, a, a student mm -hmm. more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of that is true. I mean, and, and, you know, PTs do ADLs now too. And so course, yeah. we do have, a we do have a lot in common. Um, it, it's definitely hard to sum it up in just a sentence, but, um, OTs inherently look at like the psychosocial aspects. Mm -hmm. That is just a part of what we do. I don't think that physical therapists will, um, omit that it's just often physical barriers or uh, kind of a bigger part of your day-to-day. -day, whereas right. I work in mental health. So sometimes there's physical barriers, often social, political, familial, mm -hmm. like financial, all those barriers um, can't be ignored um, in what I'm doing. Right. Right. And now I think that leads us nicely into our topic today, which is looking at global perspectives for health, for outcomes, better outcomes in health and in business. So yes. let's start with definitions. I love a good definition. So what are global perspectives and why should we as healthcare practitioners care? Yeah. So for me, you know, we're not making this just global health or global pu public health or anything. It's just global perspective. So to simplify it, I would say really just considering things like culture, life, health, care, things outside of our borders, right? So you and I are both based in the U.S. Our healthcare system works a very specific way. Mm -hmm. um, and our traditional models of providing healthcare, um, how we come up with evidence, um, you know, evidence-based practice is really important in, in both of our professions. And all of that comes from a very specific um, lens that is very much inside like the U.S. geopolitical and cultural systems. Mm -hmm. And so global perspectives are 
literally just stepping outside of that and considering that in, in your practice. And why is that important? Like, why should I care? Yeah, there's, okay. So from the, I would, I guess the most kind of logical, if you look at statistics, um, when you look at our demographics within the U.S. So 40% of the population identifies um, as not being white. So a little under 50%, right? 60-40 split. So the reality is wherever you are, whoever you're serving, you're likely serving people that have either moved from different countries um, by choice. Maybe they were forcefully displaced. Um, Maybe I was born here in the U.S., but my culture um, is a big part of who I am and my beliefs and what's important to me. Um, And so, you know, I speak with a very California accent, um, but, um, you know, I'm still rooted in a culture that is very different from what I'm used to growing up here in the U.S. Um, And then the other important statistic that is that in 10 years, what is now considered the racial minority is going to be the racial majority. And so if you're not already working with um, diverse populations, that is going to happen very soon. Um, And then business perspective, the reality is the more relatable you are, the the more that people see you as somebody that um, does care, um, that they would want to work with, that is good for business. That is good for your health outcomes. Trust and relatability are really important. Um, but you know, if someone's like, hey, I live in a place where everybody looks like me, all of my clients and patients look like me, the reality is you're probably missing a big segment of business. Um, And for us, business means people who actually need healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like a human reason um, and a business case for it. Yeah. And the thing that I, my biggest takeaway, I guess, as as to what you just said is it may not be someone who is, has just come to the country that has a different culture, but it could be someone who's maybe a first generation, maybe Mm -hmm. second generation, but very much steeped within the culture of the country from which their parents, grandparents, et cetera, have come from. So I think it is important to educate yourself on basics, right? Like you don't have to know everything about everything because that's just impossible. Yeah. But if you, if you have an initial evaluation, how can you ask someone about some of these specifics around culture, around their identity without coming off as being like invasive or sounding like, I don't, because we, sometimes we think, oh, I sound like such an idiot or like, I might say, oh my God, I know that you, this is probably a stupid question. Forgive me, but, and I'm sure that's not the best way to go about it. So what are, what are your suggestions to healthcare practitioners to, when they're with their patients to educate themselves and understand more? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just where you're coming from makes a difference. If you're curious, I think, um, people tend to be more open if they understand why are you asking this, right? So if things like identities, um, you know, I think people are finally starting to shift their intake. So we ask, we don't assume, we ask people their gender identity, we ask people their pronouns. And so um, having 
like literally just asking somebody, Hey, I would love to learn more about you. It could be that simple. Okay. We don't always have a ton of time, right? So sometimes Mm it's, um, filling out a form, but if, if you had like a minute or two, just to ask somebody, you know, about their identity and the important things that they want to share, that's, that's kind of how I ask. I literally Mm -hmm. just ask, I mean, I'm an occupational therapist, so there's some areas of daily life that make it really easy for me to ask. So, you know, understanding if religion is important to somebody um, or, you know, kind of what their family dynamics are, right? Um, In in a lot of cultures, there are uh, multi-generational households, and that makes such a huge difference in when they have time to do stuff or who they need to take care of. Um, They may not have children, but they might be taking care of grandparents, for example, Mm -hmm. or parents. And so, um, you know, we're curious because we want to help people. We want to know what is your day in life like so we can see how can we fit some of these exercises or homework or, you know, things like that in, or I want to learn about your barriers. I want to learn about your support. So learning more about you can help us problem solve together um, versus like the, where are you from question, which can be pretty offensive, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And would you recommend putting an open-ended question on your intake form? Kind of like you said, tell me a little bit more about you and your culture, or maybe not worded that way. That might be a little like weird way to word it, but how do you recommend that? And if so, how would you word a question? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on um, if you have an idea, like if you're working with, I work with adults mm-hmm. um, and I turn, tend to work with people that are mostly in their between like about 20s to maybe 50s. And so um, the way that I phrase and I'm I'm in the, the Bay Area. So the way that I phrase my question is really based on asking people to share about their identity. Um, but it might be different based on where you are geographically or like the age demographics of people that you're working with. So you might have to adjust it because if it's if it's a form they're filling out, they might not understand what right. what you're trying to get out of it. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's kind of an it depends. But if you have that question there, when you're doing your intake, you can follow up and ask. Um, right. Or you can yeah, just explain, fair. oh, this is this is why I was asking if if it's like blank <laughs> or if it's sure, um, sure. an answer. And it's like, well, that's not exactly what I meant. Yeah, but no, my forms are dynamic. Sense. I'm constantly like updating. Yeah, as yeah, I yeah me too. Me too. Me too. And as as we're sitting here talking, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, you know, I probably should put on my form, like, tell me a little bit more about your support system, mm-hmm. because it makes a difference. Like, if you have, I I'm in Manhattan, so I have I see teenagers and kids up through till you know older folks, and that support system mm-hmm. makes a difference. Like, if it's kids. Are you, do you have, like, what is your home life like? How Mm -hmm. do you have siblings? Do you have parents? Do you have grandparents? Like you said, how many people are living around or Mm -hmm. living with you or around you that can help? If you're, because I'll tell you, it makes a big difference. I see a lot of like single folks Mm post-surgery where they don't have a support system. Like they, Mm -hmm. well, I might have a friend come over and stay with me, but, and then you go to see them and you're like, I remember speaking to a woman who she's like, oh, I'm just going to hire a nurse to kind of take me home after like a major hip surgery. And I'm thinking to myself, Mm-mm, yeah, that's not they're not going to be there long enough. You need no. a lot more support. And, yeah. and when I got there, her mom had flown in from California and stayed there for two weeks. And I was like, because I was yeah. like really concerned about that. 
you know? Yeah, so I, mean, I think I'm going to add that to my form. It's a good one. That's the nice thing about these like um, interdisciplinary perspectives, because as an OT, just pretty much in any setting, we're like, you know, what does your house look like? Who lives in your house? Do you have any pets? You know, like right. um, we, we really are asking all of those things and it doesn't feel like crying because it's related to the person, you know, like this helps me help you is, is, is how I see it. And so, um, I ask about people's romantic lives and, um, if, if it's relevant, their sexuality, I'm not a sex therapist, but it is part of their daily life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so all of those things, if somebody wants to share with me, um, and it, it might be relevant in the work that we're doing together. Um, yeah. and you know, see that works for PT too. Oh, absolutely. Anything I've said is like, no, that's not PT territory. No, so. no, no, no. Especially, especially. And I think the pelvic health therapists have mm -hmm. this one down pat, you know, but especially if you're working in pelvic health, um, you just cannot or, or, or anywhere. Listen, yeah. You're talking anywhere. about like hip surgery, right? Hip how, surgery. You know, how are you going to yeah. have sex after hip surgery? Low back pain, <laughs> yeah. neck pain, any, any pain, yeah. you know, it's all difficult. And so to understand those dynamics mm -hmm. um, is really, really helpful. And I think it's like, they took the sex question off the us Westery, I think. Um, and Sandy Hilton's always like big mistake. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's an yeah. ADL. Yeah, it right? is. And it's part of it's part of what makes people, hopefully what makes people happy. It may make people mm -hmm. a little calmer. Right. So there's a lot that goes into it anyway, that we're getting off track. <laughs> we're getting off, it's all, it's all connected. <laughs> it's all, it's all connected. Yeah. We're getting off track. Okay. So uh, let's go back to the, that concept of, of a global perspective, right? So I, let's say I know nothing about this. Where can I start to educate myself? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, there definitely is information overload. So I would just say like start somewhere um, versus, you know, a lot of people are like, there's too much. What if I make a mistake? I'm just going to do what I know. Um, so start somewhere. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell it, um, but I will say I, I, I wrote a book recently where there are, no, um, you you're on a podcast <laughs> and we're interviewing you. Please tell us about your book. Yeah, it's it's called Occupational Therapy Disruptors, um, and I interview occupational therapists from 16 different countries. And so I've had um, physical therapists, physicians, um, psychotherapists, non-healthcare um, professionals. My friend's 10-year-old um, is reading my book, like not joking. Um, and so you, do, it, you don't have to be an occupational therapist, um, but um, we talk about culture, healthcare, um, politics in the sense of of healthcare, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because it it very much influences um, our work, what we're allowed to do, our reimbursements and things like that. Yep. And so um, that is a place to start. Um, there are articles um, from healthcare and medical journals around the world, right? And so, you know, people that are like, oh, well, you know, the the quality qualitative stuff maybe is isn't my my thing, which I that's my thing. I love, I love stories. Um but if people just want data and evidence, um, which qualitative is evidence, but um, there are um, South American journals, there are, you know, there are journals out of Africa and, and Asia with um, plenty of um, information and perspectives on whatever it is your specialty is. Um, and so often that information, there's 
if you're an occupational therapist, the Brazilian Brazilian Journal of Occupational Therapy is free, and they even translate um, to English. And so there there's a lot of information. You know, it's like yes, Google is free, but Google's super overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever your specialty is, you can look for journals in that specialty coming out of different countries, and so that you can learn about the data and evidence and practice um, that's that's happening, and that is again evidence based. Um, in different parts of the world. Um, I, you know, some of us are fortunate to, to spend a lot of time with our patients. Um, not, not everybody is, but those of you that have the time when you have patients opening up about their histories, you can ask them questions. You can ask them about, well, if, if they, if they are immigrants, for example, what was life like, um, back home? What was healthcare like back home? You know, um, what were our care, your care support systems? Like obviously Mm -hmm. things change here because, um, you know, you might not have your whole family system here or it's just really expensive. So everybody has to work and no one can be a family caregiver. Right. Um, but just kind of learning about how things are just by asking questions. Um, I mean, this is expensive, but if anybody is able to travel, um, I did quite a bit of travel last year, some of it for work, some of it personal. And I just reached out to other um, professionals and was like, hey, I'm going to be in this town. Do you want to meet up? And I just hung out and had dinner with, gosh, I was in Tokyo and I had dinner with PT, social worker, um, a acupuncturist, <laughs> uh, OT, and um, the, an OT, I was going to another town, connected me um, with a gentleman who is not a healthcare professional, um, but a stroke survivor who opened a day home because he just loved um, what he received in the rehab process. So it's just like, like, just reach out. And if you don't travel, if you're on social media, there are, there are professionals that do what you do all over the world that would love to just have a conversation with you. Disrupt OT, that's that is what we do. It's free. Mm-hmm. Um we have we have an event coming up in March and on conference. Um and we have different healthcare professionals, students, even non-healthcare professionals, just healthcare users from around the world. Um, and we build in opportunities for people to meet and connect um, and learn from different healthcare care professionals and it's totally free. So there's a lot, there's a lot of options out there. Like I said, it can be overwhelming, but like start where you feel like start, start where you're comfortable and with the things that you would enjoy, like make it fun. Otherwise, um, it can be a lot. Yeah. It can be a little overwhelming. The, one of the things that really opened my eyes up was going to a conference in another country. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you're, then you, like I've talked to, and even through this podcast, obviously talked to physical therapists from all over the world, from all countries, continents. And what I found, healthcare systems are different around the world, but the practice of physical therapy is shockingly similar, mm-hmm. you know, and the attitudes, and mainly I'm talking to physical therapists, um, but, and the the attitudes of physical therapists, like, and now this is also probably a self-selective group because we're all going to these conferences, but everyone, like they want to learn, they want to be better. They want to do better Mm -hmm. by their patients. And that's all true. And then some of the frustrations around the healthcare system, regardless of what country you're in are the same. 
And so it was really interesting and eye-opening to see that for me that, okay, it made me feel better because you're like, wait, everybody's dealing with these things. It's Mm -hmm. not just here. It's not just in this city or this state or this country, but, you know, there are positives and negatives from around the world. And it really helped open up my eyes and to have, you know, even more empathy and more understanding because I'm in New York city, you're in the Bay area. So we get people from around the world Mm -hmm. who come here. So to have those perspectives of the way other places might run their healthcare um, is really, really helpful when you're seeing those different folks. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. Um, Again, might be a little tangent, but to me, it it is really connected. You know, there's a reason why, whether, whatever it is really physical therapy, medicine, occupational therapy, there are a lot of similarities because often the textbooks are coming from the U S or maybe Canada, UK. And so um, it's really interesting if, if you're having conversations with people in a country where um, they're not primarily speaking English, for example, and you're like, wait, so your textbooks were all in English. What did you do? And you hear stories about people that are like, oh yeah, so our teachers would translate it or there would be these scenarios and like, you know, showers aren't a thing in my community, but we have to translate, you know, the the tub transfers and shower transfers mm-hmm. without actually having um, those those setups, right? Um, so it, it it is really interesting, but um healthcare is a system. And so a lot yep. of the battles that we're fighting are, are very similar. And so it's, it's really nice to learn. We have a lot of things in common and our differences are things that we can actually learn from. They're not like, oh, wait, this is weird and has nothing to do with me. It actually might be something that I can take, learn and improve my own practice with, even if I'm not yeah. in the same country as you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to go to Sri Lanka and speak at a conference there where, you know, everyone in the audience was from Sri Lanka. And it was so fascinating, like the Q and A's and the small groups that would maybe talk afterwards was really, really cool. And, um, and it's just, it was beautiful and everyone is super friendly. Um, But that was kind of the first time I was really outside. It was a really different culture. Yeah. Um, What a great experience to be able to go to a conference, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. I need to start going to international conferences now. Yes. 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 You should. You should. They're great. Um, And this was also interdisciplinary. So it wasn't Mm. just physical therapists. You know, there were all a lot of uh, different disciplines represented. So um, really, really cool. Now, okay. Oh, and just as an FYI, um, we'll have links to everything that we spoke about in the show notes. So regardless of what platform you're listening on right now, you can just go down into the show notes and we'll have links to Disrupt OT and also to the Occupational Therapy Disruptors book. And Sheila's nice enough to give everyone 20% off of that book. So thank you very much for the, and the listeners will thank you as well. So all of that will be in the show notes. I just don't want that to get lost as we um, move forward here. Um, Okay. So we talked about what global perspectives are, why they're relevant, how to educate yourself. How about the benefits, personal benefits, professional benefits? What's the bottom line? Yeah. I mean, so 
Um, I, I briefly mentioned um, that trust and relatability piece. And so um, there is plenty of data out there. Um, a, a lot of the research coming out more now is really related to sharing identities um, with your your healthcare providers, which we know is OTs and PTs in the U.S., that um, there is the diversity of our profession does not match the diversity of of the people in our country. Mm-hmm. It's not representative, um, but building that trust and relatability results in better health outcomes. Um, and so, you know, none of us choose this profession to to make money because we know this is not this is not where um, this is not where the money is. But we do this because we want people to live more fulfilling, um, more fulfilling lives and whatever it is, the reasons that we've gotten into and so um, into our professions. And so just from like that bottom bottom line health outcomes perspective, if we really get to understand our clients better um, and they see that we're going out of our way because we care to understand them, help them overcome barriers by having a better understanding of what's important to them and, and, you know, what their life is like, then they will, they will do better. You know, I I hate the word compliance, but just thinking about um, if you do have a a home exercise program or something like that homework, basically for the people that you're working with, if we don't have any of this information um, about their life and what's important to them um, and, you know, I, even the trust piece, I'll get into that in a second, but they might not be doing what we asked them to do because we didn't consider certain barriers. Um, And um, another piece is that not everybody trusts healthcare practitioners. Um, My parents are like a perfect example. My mom and dad both had home OT and PT. um, And there were so many little things that that I noticed um, that were frustration points for them. And so um, if you kind of already don't trust the healthcare system and you have somebody, especially if if you're a therapist who goes into people's homes, but even if you don't, um, if you're saying things or asking somebody to do something that actually goes against their their beliefs and their values, then that's going to diminish the trust even more. So they're mm-hmm. less likely to follow through um, with with what they're what you're asking them to do. And I don't know. Do you want me to like pause and give an example? Would I would that love. Be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I worked in 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 ortho, um, inpatient ortho, and so you know, you, you do like these are the precautions, and th- we want you to use these assistive devices to be able to dawn and doff this and that, right? Um, And within certain family systems, my dad, for example, um, he loved the gadgets. Um, He learned how to use a sock aid. He was super into that. He like used the reacher for everything. But when I was in the house, I was the one putting on his socks um, and taking off his like socks and shoes because culturally that's just, you have a family member do it. Um, And for my dad, he was cool with you know, my, um, I cared for my parents, but I didn't live at home as an adult. So for, for him, that was fine. But for some multi-generational households, that might not be a value. I don't need to learn how to put on socks and shoes. Stop forcing me to do this because I'm not going to put on my own socks right. and shoes. <laughs> right, right. Or maybe I don't even wear socks, right? Um, you know, a, a lot of the um, elders in my culture, they wear sandals. Um, they're, my mom's not a sock wearer. Um, uh, my mom had a PT come to the house 
she was amazing. Like I loved her. My mom loved her. Um, but she asked my mom to do this exercise that required her to like step on paper on the floor. That is like a big no, no, we don't, it's, uh, for, for Hindus, God is in a lot of different objects and paper and books are, are one of those. So they're, Mm. they're held in high regard. So to step on it would be extremely disrespectful. Um, so we had to problem solve, you know, I was there for most of her sessions, so I helped, but somebody might not know why, what they're doing is defensive. Um, or even in a lot of Asian households, people walking in with shoes on is really disrespectful. And so like, you can just ruin that relationship by walking through the door and saying and doing something that offends and puts somebody off. And so that alone, (laughs) um, for me is, is a big reason. Um, but I also think of if you are learning these different perspectives, um, then you can come up with better, more creative solutions, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you just, if you're just kind of used to thinking about things based on what you know, when you learn new things, then you're just kind of, you're, you're expanding your thought process and and your ability to problem solve. So, you know, I have found you've traveled as well. So I found having conversations with people from different parts of the world um, and traveling has helped me just literally see the world differently. So I feel like I'm a better clinician and a better person. Um, I have found that like taking this extra time results in referrals. So people are happy with you um, and they reach out to their community and say, hey, I loved working with this person. Um, so I I trust them and you know, and then you all of a sudden are getting referrals from um, these communities um, that that you hadn't worked with before or didn't realize, um, you know, that you weren't connected to. So better outcomes, better for business, better for you, I think, for just personal growth. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the referrals because I was going to bring that up if you didn't. From a business perspective, like how great is it for someone in, you know, a com- in a niche within your community. They're seeing you. They live mm-hmm. in your community. You'd be like, this person was great. You have to see them. You have to see them. And all of a sudden, like you said, if you have people who are maybe outside of what you would normally see, you educate yourself. You can relate to them. They trust you. They like you. We've just opened up a whole huge community of people who are now, you're going to be the go-to referral for them. Yeah, I've I've seen it both ways. So as a clinician, I've seen referrals open up within certain communities where I am working with somebody who, um, and because of the the work that I do, I'm often vetted before people work yeah. with me. So I, I have somebody um, that is sending a referral, ask a bunch of questions, get some information. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, I'm working with so many more people in this community mm-hmm. because of the referrals that I'm getting. But as a caregiver, when there was somebody that was amazing um, working with one of my parents, I was, you know, like, we, we've got our people, right? So, so my parents have all, you know, all of all of their friends and family members that are in their age groups, sometimes going through similar health issues. And I'm like, all right, I know exactly the agency you want to work with and call call this agency and ask for this specific person. Um, because it was such a good experience that I wanted to make sure that the people that I care about are also taken care of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's, you know, referrals. I don't even like to call it referral systems. I just call it a partnership system. Mm -hmm. So you're creating partnerships, whether it be with uh, the community or like you said, an agency or another therapist or another uh, healthcare practitioner, you're creating these partnerships and everything circles around You know, yeah. hopefully that's how it should work, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. circles around because you want the best for them. They want the best for you. And so it just keeps going, which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, I I work a lot because I work for myself. So I work a lot within these partnerships as, as, as you phrased it. I love that because um, I cannot provide everything for everyone, right? Impossible. Like, yeah, it's, it's impossible. And so for me, the person that I'm working with is going to have better outcomes if they have providers that care and understand them, right? Care for them and understand them. And so for me, um, building these networks is important too. So I guess it's like threefold. I, I do that mm-hmm. for my own practice as well, mm-hmm. where I'm reaching out and getting to know different clinicians um, and and. That you know, I make we know how hard this process is. So I always check. I'm like, hey, are you taking anybody new? What mm-hmm. insurance do you accept, if or not? So I can give the person all the information right. and take some of that headache away because we know how challenging it is as well. So 100%. I'm all for building, um, building these networks as well professionally. But yeah, even like I said, personally, family members. Like, I'm not telling you as a professional. I'm telling you as a family member who has worked with this person. Yes. So. Yes. No. Absolutely. And it's so cool that you've been on both ends, you know, and so you've got the user experience and the provider experience, which is priceless. Um, okay. So as we start to wrap things up, what, what are the key points that you want people to take away from our conversation today? Yeah. Um, I I think the easiest, maybe the most fun way to put it is I would want people to be curious. Um, So be curious about the world that you haven't experienced yet. Um, You know, the more that you learn, the better ideas you have, um, the better clinician you will become. Um, Realistically, there's a pocket for your business of, of clientele that you have not tapped into. And so it's just, you know, it's just, um, it's smart for business, um, and it's 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 really good for your profession to invest in in learning about um, learning about other other cultures, practices, um, and finding ways to really just be more um, more relatable and I guess culturally humble. Probably mm-hmm. we didn't really go into that that concept of you're constantly learning and you might make mistakes, but if you're approaching it okay. with curiosity, you know you'll be fine. People are very forgiving. Yeah. If they know you're coming in from a good place, they're very forgiving. Um, well, that's wonderful. Where can people find you if they have questions, if they want to get your book, if they want to follow you on social media, where can they go? Yeah. So I, I'd say probably the two main um, ones are um, OT Bay Area. So I'm on socials. Um, the handles OT Bay Area same website, otbarea.com. Um, Disrupt OT um, is the, the free educational resources um, for healthcare providers. Um, that's disruptot.org um, or on most socials, the handle is disruptot. But, um, and I also do, I don't have much 
social content out there or even a social handle, but I, I do have a consulting company, which has allowed me, I, I didn't even say this, like all, like so many perks of this work for me has allowed me to actually travel and be paid um, internationally. Like I've been able to travel and work in other countries um, because I value global perspectives so much. Um, so WellWorks um, is my consulting company. And I started that because I started doing so much work outside of borders that I had to start a different business. Amazing. Amazing. So you see people, you can take your passion, you can take what you love and you can turn it into a business as well, which isn't that the way most great businesses start, right? And again, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. Um, So if you go down wherever you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, just scroll down, click the link. It will take you to wherever you need to go, including uh, the book with a 20% off code uh, for occupational therapy disruptors. Um, So Sheila, I have one more question. And it's a question I ask everyone on the podcast. And that's knowing where you are now in your life and career, what advice would you give to like your 20-year-old self? Oh, oh gosh. Um, I, I think that I have kind of always just gone where opportunities take me. Um, you know, I, this was a really a third career for me. Um, and things I couldn't change, I, I started working for myself. So I would just say like, you know, any, anything that doesn't feel right, any adversities, um, you can learn from them and still find your passion. You can still find a way, um, to have a career and make money and enjoy what you're doing. So like, just, just go with the flow. (laughs) Absolutely. Great advice. And, uh, we had mentioned the San Diego Pain Summit at the top mm-hmm. of the podcast, but we will both be there yes. at the San Diego Pain Summit. And that will be, I think, March 1st through yep. March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So uh, it will be next week as, as this goes out to the airwaves. So um, there's still time to sign up. So if you're listening to this, if you're in the San Diego area, and you want to go to a conference where you're going to have multidisciplinary practitioners, you're going to learn a lot about pain. I know Rajam has a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. cooking up there as well. So there's it, it's a, a great time to network. It's a great time to learn. Um, and uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. We'll have a link to the San Diego Pain Summit as well. Um, and you will be doing a disrupt OT um, while at the summit. And I think yes. that's Friday, right? It's no, this Saturday. time it's going to be on Saturday. Yeah. It's on so Saturday. P- PT after dark and uh-huh. disrupt OT are going to get together. So we're going to have just an open discussion about, um, you know, cultural and social factors um, in care and how to be more accessible and inclusive um, in, in the care we provide. And then I'm buying pizza. So <laughs> that's what I heard. End of, end of day two. And it's just like, you know, um, you mentioned it's, it's multidisciplinary, but there are people that come in from different parts of the world as oh, well. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just such a great opportunity to meet people, have these are all people that like really care. Um, so to have like serious, but also fun conversations. So it's, um, and then the, the meetup is actually open to everyone cause it's after day two ends. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to, if you're in the area and you're not attending the conference, you can still come and, can still and hang come. out. 
Yeah. And last year I learned uh, an awful lot during uh, those two sessions. This year it's going to be combined. Um, but again, this is a total aside. But what I really took away from those conversations really learned a lot about was healthcare uh, within our Native American um reservations here mm -hmm. in the United States, which is really eye-opening for me. Um, and, and then hearing everyone's perspectives around a whole wide range of topics, but that was one of the biggest takeaways for me was learning more about that. And I yeah. felt like that, what a, what a positive takeaway to just have more knowledge about people that may, maybe one day I might be treating and it's yeah. good to know how to do, how to, relate to 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 our Native American um Americans uh it, it was just it was really great I thought yeah. for me it was a big learning opportunity and I was very thankful for that yeah it's you know we're, we're talking about global perspectives but there are people in your own communities right mm -hmm. on land that that we're sharing um that are getting unequal treatment that may not have access to what you see and know. And so we're talking about global perspectives, but there are inequities and huge barriers just within where you are. Mm -hmm. And you being unaware of it is, is kind of part of that issue, right? Like if we don't right. know, we can't do anything about it. Um, exactly. So yeah. So yeah. to me, like I said, it's, it's interconnected. So it's great to have these conversations and, and it's eye-opening. You're like, wait, this is happening where I am. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So um, anyway, check out the San Diego Pain Summit. Sheila, thank you so much for coming on. Great conversation. And um, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, I'm still picking yeah. up a lot of tidbits. We're always, we're always learning. I mean, yes. I'm, un I'm unlearning too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm unlearning and relearning and learning new and unlearning the old and yeah. just trying to figure it all out so that I can be like a halfway decent human being. Um, so thank you so much for adding to my learning today. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah, I will see you soon. And everyone, thanks from, so much for tuning in. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.